Here's part two of the Bernie Nelson interview. Enjoy. What has COVID-19 taught you, if anything? That I'm not human. You know, mm -hmm. I got hurt pretty good last year. I mean, <clears throat> we had a horrendous ice storm out here. And uh, for the first time in my life, I physically got hurt. I fell on the ice and did some real damage to myself. And uh, I've never felt vulnerable in my life. And that night, laying on the ice, <clears throat> trying to figure out how an ambulance could get up to my ice-covered hill with 22 telephone poles oh, down. Wow. Oh, wow. I just, and then I, I, really, I really considered the thought that that was it. You know, I mean, it was a really bad deal. There was nobody else up here but me and... Fortunately, I had a phone, but they did get to me, and uh, I had work done to my arm and him back playing music again. Uh, but then COVID, uh, I'm pretty conservative, and I don't like to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, even when uh, the previous administration was, was toting the, the onset of this miracle drug that was going to save the planet from, from COVID, <clears throat> I thought, you know, let's, let's wait and see. And and then, of course, for some reason, there's a, a lot of people that weren't vaccinated and didn't want to get vaccinated, maybe because they were told they had to get vaccinated, I think. And, and then I've seen, personally seen the effects of vaccinations that, that went wrong and did harm. So it's, it's made me leery of that. But August of this year, I got COVID and it was scary, you know, and uh, it went from being what I thought was a mild case to being what was looking like a bigger problem. And I had friends of mine that got COVID at the same time that got real close to getting ventilated. And of course oh. we all were friends during COVID and family members during COVID. And you see the numbers of people that died because of COVID, not necessarily because of, they didn't die from COVID, but they died from complications brought mm -hmm. on by COVID. But I'm still having effects from COVID, um, you know, memory fog and all that stuff. So it, it's a real, real, real virus. It's a real bad thing. But I think in the long run, I think everybody will get it to some extent. And everybody that, that lives through it will be better for it. Their bodies will be better for it. God made us that way. We're not a 69 Chevy that you have to fix once in a while. Uh, we're a 69 Chevy that, that can fix itself. So uh, mm -hmm. wow. uh, that, that taught me that. And it also taught me you know, what, what matters most to me, and that's where I live, my peace of mind, uh, writing songs. I don't feel like I have to take a shower after I got through writing them, you know, and I'm, right. I've never, I, I had a meeting with a very big person in the, in the music business about five years ago, and it was right in the middle of bro. And uh, he said, Bernie, you're one of my favorite writers. And I hadn't played many songs yet. And he said, he said, great songs don't matter right now, Bernie, and they probably never will again. And uh, so just get on board and get with some of these young writers and, and maybe you can get some cuts that way. Wow. So oh, my God. I said, man, are you going to listen to this song of mine? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he played this one song and he stopped. He said, that is an amazing song. And I said, well, thank you. He goes, no, 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 that's an amazing song. He said, have you pitched it to Blake Shelton? I said, no. He goes, can I pitch it to Blake, who was, he was managing? I said, yeah. He goes, holy crap, that's a big song. I said, is, is it a great song? He goes, yeah, it's a great song. I said, you just told me great songs didn't matter. Hmm. <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what, buddy. I said, good songwriters chase trains, and great writers write great songs knowing damn well the train will come back around. And they, they always do. 
I mean, it may take 30 years. You know, maybe Cadillac kind of gets cut again someday. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I've got songs. And I just bought my catalog back from my big publishing companies. Oh, good and, for you. Oh, that's when, they, when they do get re-recorded, the mailbox money comes to my mailbox. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I read someone was having a, I think it was Dwight Yoakam. He was having a big problem with that just a couple months ago. And he has an active lawsuit. Uh, because after a certain amount of years, I think in his yeah. case, it was like after 25 years or something. Um, I think it's 30, 30 years. Oh, 30 years? I, I, from 96 back, I got my catalog. So, And that's really a lot of my, my biggest hits were in that, that time period. That's dating myself. But, you know, I, I've sold over 30, 35 million records and will never go through record sales like that again. But... Um, downloads and streaming all that stuff so that will show up in my mailbox for change so that's good yeah good for you you know a really great song um when i was listening to all your music um there was a song uh, that was also on that one album that was more inspirational like the walk album it was uh-huh. 69 hummingbird found him out in front of the mission Playing on this old guitar Bumming tips and cigarettes And drinking from a mason jar He said I moved to Nashville Back in 68 Next year I bought this Gibson Thinking I was on my way And he played fire on the I saw the light Said he jammed with Johnny Cash Down at Tootsie's late one night Ain't but two things in this whole damn world To me that have any worth And that's my King James Bible And this 69 Hummingbird He said he went to Vietnam Things were different when he got home Cause everybody was playing the Beatles And getting stoned He said, you know I made a record once Right down there on Music Road Nobody paid it any mind But Harold, that's just the way it goes And he played Wild Horses Said, boy, you just ain't country You don't play Long black and bay And ain't but two things In this whole damn world For me that have any worth And that's my King James Bible And this 69 Hummingbird I never saw that old man again Passed away, but I found that old guitar in a pawn shop the other day. In the case he left behind, that Bible and old saying Jesus told me he loved me. So tonight I'm. Going 
pain Walk in the garden What a friend we have in Jesus Rock of ages and amazing and grace And ain't but two things in this whole damn world For me that have any word And that's my King James Bible And this 69 Hummingbird Hummingbird And I, I know Anna feels the same way because we were, you know, listening to it together. It's like a moral microcosm about making it in Nashville. I mean, it really is like that story in that song to me is like the majority of people that try to make it. You know, uh, it's like they, you know, I think that that's usually how things, you know, kind of work out. The people that are very successful, they're very few and far in between, you know, those yeah. The story of someone coming to Nashville with like $25 and making it, it's an awesome story, but it's not the uh, rule. It's the exception yeah. to the rule. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can throw a rock down Music Row or Lower Broadway and, and hit somebody who's been there 5, 10, 20, 30 years and never made it. You know, and a lot of people became very successful people in Nashville and law or real estate or whatever, went to medical school, whatever, but they came there to be a country artist. But I was really fortunate to become good friends with a guy named George McCorkle, who wrote Fire on the Mountain for Marshall Tucker. And uh, I asked him what kind of guitar he wrote that song on, and he said he wrote it on a, an old Guild guitar. And I said, well, I'd heard rumors that you guys wrote on an old Hummingbird. He said, Toy Caldwell had a 69 Hummingbird. So that's where the time came from. <clears throat> but the song is just that. It's about a guy who, and uh, side note, I, I got out of country music from 2000 and, oh gosh, 2001 till 2009. I was pretty much out of country music. I wasn't writing songs at all. And I, I became a deputy sheriff in Nashville. Oh, wow. And, and because I was a deputy sheriff, I spent a lot of time with people who were on the streets and a lot of them were, you know, homeless people who came there to be songwriters and country stars and stuff. And so that's the the person that's in that song is some guy. And what I like about this guy is he's not bitter, you know. Mm -hmm. He's got his little trophies and he's he's, he's proud to, to show them to you. And uh, he has his core value, that, that guitar and his Bible. And I think uh, as a songwriter, uh, if you can have great faith in a great guitar than you've attained a lot in country music. So yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. And I know we were talking about um your book. Um I think it's Honky Tonk Angels if I'm not mistaken. Um right. it seems like there's a lot of interesting stories in that book. What's the most Yeah um, get me your addresses and I'll 
I'll send you a couple copies of the book, but it's on Amazon, it's on Walmart and other places, but my website carries it and I get them out the next day, uh, autographed and all that stuff. And, um, uh, Christmas time, I usually sell a bunch of them, but, uh, it's, it's, it's one of my greatest achievements because it, 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 it cracks open these stories that have been in my head and they come out there. They're firsthand stories. Every story that's told in the book was told me by the writer, the publisher, the producer, whatever, as far as back as boy named Sue, the publisher of Shel Silverstein told me, you know, the history behind that song and uh, the history behind the gambler and Lucille. And all those stories were told me firsthand by the producer, the producer's wife, um, the songwriter, the artist, uh, as far back as don't close your eyes. I had Joe Galani that had a record label send me an email and tell me the whole story. So, um, Amazing stuff. What's the most unbelievable story in that book? Oh, without a doubt. <clears throat> uh, Jerry Foster and Bill Rice were a writing team from the 50s and 60s. And they were writing in a building that's right across from BMI, where used to be Mercury Records and a publishing company. And they wrote every morning. And Bill lived in Dixon, Tennessee, which I used to live in. <clears throat> and... Uh, Back then, I-40 wasn't there, so you had to take Highway 100 out there, which was a pretty slow drive. And in the middle of the afternoon, Jerry Foster got an idea for a song called I'll Think of Something, and he tried to convince Bill Rice to come back in and write that evening, and, and Bill said, no, we'll write it tomorrow. <clears throat> and Jerry Foster convinced him to come into town and write. And in a building that would have been full of people in the middle of the day, they wrote in a building that was totally empty. And they wrote up on the second floor, and so the publishing companies were upstairs, and there was a record label down below. And they wrote, I'll think of something. <clears throat> and in the, about 9.30 at night, there was a knock at the door. And it was the president of, of MGM Records downstairs, Jim Benno, who produced Hank Jr. And he was trying to find one more song for the record. And he, heard them, <laughs> and he heard them, heard them singing the song through the ductwork. Wow. So oh, it literally, okay. he could hear it coming through his his ductwork upstairs. Wow. And the more he listened to it, he listened to him actually create the song, went up there and told him he wanted to record it. They cut it the next day. It was the last day of recording on Hank Williams. Right. Mm -hmm. So they weren't going to record anymore. That was it. So had they not come in and written that night, they wouldn't have got it on the Hank Williams record. It went to number 12 in 79. Fast forward 18 years later. Mark Chestnut. Uh, yeah. Mark Chestnut, but, but, but Mark Wright and Sheila Shipley flew to Beaumont, Texas to hear uh, Chestnut play. And he had a bar band in a bar and they weren't all that impressed with him. They thought he was a good singer, he was a good bar band, but nothing spectacular. And the band took a break and Chestnut sang, I'll think of something all by himself on the guitar and that changed everything. Oh, wow, wow. I can't even imagine that. That's amazing. Well, speaking of Mark Chestnut, um, you're kind of you're having kind of a renaissance in, in Texas. I mean, you had two number ones from Texas artists. Is that correct? Yeah, it's been really cool. There's a group that I, I helped put together down here called Kinfo, F-A-U-X. So they're like family, but they're not. And uh, <laughs> I found two of the guys. I found the whole band up in Michigan, actually. And the, the lead singer fiddle player was from San Antonio. And uh, they stuck their toe in the water down here a couple of times and they decided to make the jump and, and about two years ago moved down here and now they've been on top of the charts two or three times. 
And they cut an entire record full of my songs, except for one song that my friend David Lee wrote. And, uh, and the album did really well. And they are now one of the fastest growing bands in Texas. And they cut a, a bunch of my songs. And, and the number one they had was on Honky Tonk in Heaven. And, uh, and then their latest single, Plain View, I think went number four, number two. <clears throat> but there's a big artist down here named Kyle Park. And I was fortunate to write with him, and, and we wrote an amazing song called Rewind, which went number one in, in all three charts down here. And uh, really amazing. And I've, I've got songs on six or seven different artists. As, and then the end of the month, I go over to Malakoff, Texas, and there's five hit writers waiting to write with 10 uh, Texas artists for four days. And they're some of the biggest writers and te- artists in Texas. And um, hopefully we'll get some singles out of that. And, and for me, it's not about radio money because there isn't very much radio money down here. It's for me, it's about exposure as my songs. I can go out and do shows and then they go burning his, not only did he write Cadillac kind, but he also wrote last year's number one on Kyle Park or Kinfo or Curtis Grimes or whoever, you know, so it's a, it's like I said, it's, it's me trying to <clears throat> somehow fill in that, incredible void by Billy Joe Walker or Billy Joe Shaver. I mean, and, uh, you know, Billy Joe was one of those guys. He didn't write your typical subject matter and that's what set him apart. Tell us about weekend at Bernie's. How did you get the idea? I had done a few and didn't know what to call it. And one night the obvious came, came to me, um, this will be my 10th next year, will be my 10th year of doing weekend at Burnings. Wow. That's uh, awesome. They're, they're housewives, they're plumbers, they're attorneys, they're accountants, um, everyday people who have no intention of ever going to Nashville or ever becoming anything other than that, but they have <clears throat> little scraps of paper that they've always wondered what, what it would be like if a professional person took a whack at them. And, uh, so we sometimes recreate old songs. We usually write new songs and <clears throat> there's, it's, new artists trying to get their, their best game on before they walk through the door with a batch of better songs. It's artists who've got records that are trying to, to get further up the chain yeah. and they like the way I write and they see my success and they come to me. But um, for, for a fair amount of money, they spend two days here at my house and we get to know each other and ideas fall out. And we've had some amazing songs. I mean, each record has been a lot of Weekend at Bernie's. My favorite Weekend at Bernie's on this album, I wrote down in Florida. Uh, it's called uh, uh, Half a Mind to Leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got up to this guy's house the second day of writing, and I sleep in. So I got a piece of man, I, I got to make some, a fresh pot of coffee because I drank most of the coffee. All that's left is about a quarter cup of coffee. <laughs> and my head just exploded because I pictured this woman who was pissed off at her husband for something he did the night before. And she was almost finished with her coffee and was going to leave as soon as the coffee was over with. So it's, she's got a quarter cup of coffee and a half a mind to leave. And it's just, we, Jamie Johnson, Bernie Nelson, I love it. So it's, 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 it's probably the best song on the record, but it's, it's, you know, it's straight up country. I'll tell you that. Wow. Well, we can't wait to hear it. And so um, it'll be coming out uh, next month. And we're going to, you know, keep keep posted on this, you know, to see when it actually will come out. And then um, you're going to share a couple songs with us. I know we already have, you know, a couple 
that'll end up on the album from what you shared with me. Um, and then once it gets closer to releasing, do let us know. Now, are we able, um, so the the one song you shared with us, and you're going to send me, um, I guess, uh, When I Pray? or Oh, or uh, yeah, somebody, somebody's praying, and I'll send you, I'll send you half mine to lead to. I'll send you both, though. So. Okay, now, um, let me ask you, are we able to share that in, in the podcast? Because we dubbed in the song yeah, after. Okay. Please do, yeah. Okay, uh, and other question I have because we have a radio show. Can we play it on the radio show, or you, you want to wait? Yeah. No, all that does is is make people go wonder what else is down the, the pipe in that project. So, and okay. you know, I look back at Greyhound and wow, I mean, that record. Uh, still to this day, I'm I'm still overwhelmed by every song on that record. It was just oh yeah, good good songwriting on that album. I mean, well, you're just you're an amazing songwriter. I mean, you know, good lord. But you know, there I think there are some albums that kind of you know maybe stand out for different reasons. You know. Would you say that's yeah, fair to say that, or? Yeah, and I think songwriters need to take. I think COVID hopefully made people learn to become better solo writers. Right. You know, um, I remember going to Paul Kraft one time. We'd become friends, and I asked him if he ever wanted to get together and write. And he said, "Bernie, I don't co-write." And all his songs, you know, "Drop Kick Me Jesus" and uh, "Brother Jukebox," all that stuff. He wrote all, all by himself, and so many of those people did. Tom T. Hall, <clears throat> they wrote songs by themselves. Uh, Red Lane, for a long time, was a solo writer to him, and Hank Cochran got together. But uh, I think you you become a better co-writer by becoming a better writer. Uh, the easiest thing to do when you're co-writing is think that your line is maybe going to be better than somebody else's, but uh, when you've been with the writers that I've been with, you learn that you're better off to keep your pencil sharp and your mouth shut. So <laughs> I like that. Well, we want to do weekend at Bernie's. We're, we're going to do weekend at Bernie's one year. I, I, think, on, I yeah. think it would be an awesome experience. I, I, it yeah, is. I, and I've got a kid coming in today. He drove all the way from Michigan in a big old truck. Wow. He made it to Texas last night. He's headed, headed in. And uh, he was, I write with a lot of combat vets. This guy was a combat vet and, and finally, one day I said, well, Andy, have you ever been married? He said, well, I was over in Germany getting patched up for the third time after getting blown up for the fourth time and shot. He said, well, I was in Germany. My wife, he said, Mr. Burns, she ran off with a tow truck driver. And I said, oh, that's well, Andy, on the, uh, the Greyhound album. Yeah. I said, you may not know this right now, Andy, but that there is a country song look, looking for a place to happen. So we wrote tow truck driver. And oh, yeah. Fun yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. So so the uh, participants of uh, Weekends at Bernie's, uh, they get songwriting credits. They get songwriting credits, which means they get a percentage of the publishing. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, that's awesome. Uh, all I ask is when they, do, when they do Weekend at Bernie's, if we're going to record something, that they pay for the, the session. Of and course. then they can hang out with the publishing and stuff. And, but uh, it's been amazing. I, I wrote with a kid this year. Uh, from Michigan, and we wrote four songs. He recorded five and, and brings out an EP next year, and he's got a big buzz going on him, and he oh. didn't have any songs until he came here. Uh, so, you know, Weekend at Bernie's has been amazing. I had a song I wrote called Lonelyville on the Blue Record that was number one for six weeks in the UK that I wrote with a Weekend at Bernie's guy. So, Wow. That's awesome. What an, we have to do a weekend at Bernie's. We just yeah. have to. I, I mean, I we, like I have a bunch of, 
you know, have songs and things like that. And, you know, and some other ones. I would love, you know, to get an extra pair of ears on it. That, I think that would be great. Now, do you usually announce your uh, weekend at Bernie's uh, on Facebook or something like that? The way it works, and I've tried to explain as best I can on Facebook, but you just, if you have a desire to do weekend at Bernie's, you email me and say, I want to do Weekend at Bernie's, and I'll say, what dates do you have available, and I'll tell you what dates I have available. So we find a weekend that works. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So whenever I'm not on the road, if I'm not working mm-hmm. and, and I have a weekend and you're available to come, then, then we block it in. I had to move one during COVID, and they were kind enough. They'd already bought their plane tickets and everything, and uh, I think they were coming in from Minnesota or something, and, and they moved it to the second week in November. But it's, um, you know, whatever works for you and me, there's no set time. Oh, okay. And you know, because sometimes some, some of these retreats, you know, well, I've seen where some of these retreats are like in a, a particular date yeah. and, and time and, you know, that type of thing. You know what I mean? Well, for me, it, it, it leaves a lot of people, well, I can't make it. Then, you know? Right. So what can you make it? You just tell me what works for you and, and, you fly into Austin or San Antonio, usually Austin. I come pick you up, and then we get to know each other on the ride back. We go have lunch, and we talk, and <clears throat> so many great songs have come out of those conversations. So it's yeah. like a quarter of coffee and half a mind to leave. So. Yeah, that's a no. We're definitely going to do it. We're we're gonna. That's gonna be like on our bucket list for next year for sure. You know, it's it sounds exciting, and you know, we'd love to hang out with you. You know, you have so many great songs. Well, I know um, that we had asked about you know your top five picks in terms of your uh, what we call our desert disc. Everyone hates this darn question, and that's why I won't get rid of it ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> because, well, you know, most songwriters and performers, it's, you know, you guys are surrounded by music 24 7. It's so hard to really kind of zero in on five albums that you just can't live without. Um, so I want to pose the question to you. I know you kind of mentioned three. So you mentioned Buck Owens earlier, Alive at Carnegie Hall. And I remember that you also mentioned uh, the Blue Ridge Rangers which I think you said it was like a John Fogarty project. Did I misunderstand? Yeah, completely. Rec- everything, everything but drums was recorded by John Fogarty on that record. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I honestly, and it maybe it's going to make me sound bad, but I've never heard of that ever. I've never a heard of it. A lot of people never heard of it. And, no. You know, it's just refreshing. So, I mean, there's a, a bunch I could have let put on there. Uh, Bob Seger, his greatest hits album. Um, I remember I was dating, I was in the dating world one time and i had a 87 truck and i was driving around and i met this girl on it like on a blind date i went and picked her up and she was really young and there was obviously this age difference and we we're gonna go have dinner and she said she want to hear some music just trying to break the ice because we weren't getting very far in our conversation <clears throat> so uh she said just play me whatever you got in your truck so i, I had bob Seger greatest hits up so the song that was geared up to play was was like a rock Oh, okay. And she turned to me and she said, why do you have the Chevy commercial in your, tr- in your truck when you drive a dog? <laughs> and that was pretty much for the end of our day, you know? Oh my gosh. That is yeah. so scary. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that puts us, okay. So we've got Buck Owens live at Carnegie, the Blue Ridge Rangers. You mentioned Bob Seger's greatest hits. 
So we need two yeah, more. In Cosmos Factory from Creighton to Clearwater. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's and, four. And then, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I put in there the, the, the compilation, both Eagles records, the, the double disc. Um, because I love that's, that. I love that's, that. That's where country music and, and rock and roll really came together at. Oh, with the Eagles. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. the Eagles really, I mean, uh, Michael Martin Murphy is a buddy of mine. And uh, I said, what, what bars did you play in Texas back in the 70s? He said, Bernie, we couldn't play bars in Texas. We had long hair. Oh, well, well, that changed on that, right? I was reading so they, about that, Bernie. Um, Willie Nelson. They play, yeah, they had to play coffee shops. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. But once Bojangles hit and once Wildfire hit, uh, they could they were kind of accepted, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so guys like Michael Martin Murphy and that they and the Eagles, they were – they were the breeding ground for new country music with a little bit of rock and roll mixed into it. But the Eagles started off with like Doolin Dalton's and Tequila Sunrise. Those are straight up country songs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Desperado. I mean, yeah. And they all had pedal steel, you know, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Rolling Stones cut an amazing country song called Girl the Faraway Eyes. Al Perkins played Steel on it. He played on all the Manassas records, Stephen Stills records. He played on Heart of Gold. He played on all the Eagles records and stuff. And, you know, so Nashville and country music were destined to get together. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I got to give kudos to Travis Trick for bringing the Eagles out of out of the closet because they'd broken up and he did the tribute album. And the Eagles came back together with the Hal Freezes Over tour. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just think that country music and, and the 70s pop music are so similar to each other. And so... Mm -hmm. uh, as a songwriter, I, I dig deep into into songs. I go, why did they write that line? And and uh, it just always interests me. See, but with all the music we just talked about, which back then the Eagles were not considered country. I mean, they were on pop radio, you know. Yeah. But if you, for me, this is just you know my opinion, of course. Um, you still hear that traditional country underpinning, that foundation. I hear it when I hear their music. Um, and so, you know, if you were to play it right now, it sounds more country than a lot of the stuff that we're hearing on radio right now, Bernie. Oh, it is. And, you know, people may not know this, but Glenn Fry, <clears throat> the co-writer of all that stuff, Des Brown and everything, he was in Bob Seger's band before he became an Eagle. Oh, I didn't know that. No, yeah, he I played for Bob Seger. Yeah. Wow. And uh, he had rock and roll roots. He came out of Michigan. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> of course, uh, Handy came out of Houston. Uh, so he had some Texas mm -hmm. influences and stuff, you know. But um, there's a the, the documentary that's out there on the Eagles is amazing. I mean, Jackson Brown lived right below uh, Handley and Fry. And <clears throat> just amazing how they got their name, Meat and Peyote and everything. I mean. Wow. Uh, amazing <laughs> stories about the Eagles. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's an evolution of anybody's career from Kenny to uh, a friend of mine, Casey Bethard, was a busboy at the, at the Bluebird. And uh, he would be cleaning up at night, and the place would be empty. Back then, we'd have big crowds. And his friend would come in the back door. And Casey would go turn on the PA and let him sit in because he wasn't good enough to play the Bluebird. And that 
friend of his was, was Kenny Chesney. Oh my you know, gosh. When I knew Kenny, uh, he was, he was valet parking cars and, uh, you know, trying to make his way. So everybody has an, a path that they take in country music. Mine was, you know, I went there to be a recording artist, had a couple record deals, and I fell in love with the songwriting community. And I loved the idea of writing from 11 till 3 and then going to lunch and then going to the gym and then going home and coming out and hitting the bars and playing our music. And I loved that that world that I lived in back then. And in all reality, I was pretty lazy. Because, but the idea of getting on a bus now is, is something I really want to do. I, I want to get out there. Really? Yeah, I just can't wait to go down the road with a five-piece oh band and, oh, and okay. play, play our songs all over the place. So, Oh, uh, wow, I didn't know that. Um, I was getting the impression that maybe you just, you know, really wanted to do the weekend at Bernie's um, and, you know, kind of help, you know, other, you know, songwriters and things like that. But you're talking about, you know, being out there and performing. That's And you're in the best place for it. Texas is absolutely <laughs> the best place, you know, period. And we, I, I finally put a little band together and we're oh, real tight funny. and uh, there's no egos involved and they really believe in me and in my interpretation of songs, if you will. And, and so mm -hmm. uh, we're going out and making some noise and this time next year, I hope we're in big demand, you know, and, and yeah. uh, can hit bigger circuits and stuff but we'll, we'll play Luckenbach a couple times this year we'll play Green Hall this year and we'll play some other shows and play all over Texas and hopefully elsewhere so oh yeah absolutely well this brings us like to the close of our interview with you we've had such a blast talking to you Bernie it's always awesome when you know you're a fan of the music and you get to connect with the person who created all this amazing music and I'm so happy that you're you know still writing just these great songs and that you're, you're going to be out performing as well and doing all kinds of stuff. That's great. Um, and the weekend at Bernie's that we're like so stoked about <laughs> the weekend at Bernie's I'm telling you, we will do it next year. It just sounds amazing. Yeah, email me, text me your, your mailing address. I'll send a couple copies of <clears throat> honky tonk angels out and uh, some, some merch and oh, that stuff. You got to have cooties. Of course, you know, so. <laughs> of course, that sounds fantastic. Well, about the uh, last question that we wanted to really ask you, if, you know, there's anything that you want to share with your fans and also your new fans, because after, you know, hearing this podcast, I'm sure you're going to have some brand spanking new fans. Um, our audience loves to, number one, go out to shows. Number two, they love buying merch. And number three, they love buying actual vinyl. I don't know if your music is out on vinyl. Um, it but is in the UK. But, um, we're, we're talking mm -hmm. about doing a vinyl on, on the Ghosts and Angels record. Um, okay. The artwork, we're going to spend a little bit more time on the artwork on this one and make it a trifold record. And okay. Not your basic front and cover type thing. Uh, just that yeah. and you know my mm -hmm. all my music's at, at my website bernienelson.com which is be, getting completely overhauled but you can still order stuff through it okay um, you have a shop weekend, okay yeah weekend at bernie's is accessible through the through the website too uh so just um that and, and the book i think if anybody has anybody out there that is a songwriter or somebody that that whatever just wants to hear the stories uh, Honky Tonk Angels is an amazing book, and uh, I've had people really applaud me for the way I put my faith sneakily snuck it into there about 
my belief is stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's just that. I mean, uh, the universe will spin around to you if, if you ask, uh, believe, receive. It's that simple. Wow. That's amazing. And I had no idea you were a person of faith. When I heard the walk album, I thought maybe, but then I thought, well, because I'm, you know, I'm a person of faith. I'm probably reading into this stuff, (laughs) but, um, obviously not, you know, you, you sound like you have, you know, very strong faith, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you can take credit for as much as you want to, but the things, (laughs) the doors that closed for me in Nashville, closed so hard and so fast and the doors had opened for me in texas it was unbelievable there was like i don't know where i'm going but i know i'm not supposed to be here and so um, i'm going here i don't know what i'm going to do and i just trusted god and i still do i don't i don't see the 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 end results yet here but um the one thing i did get out of the the big shift was no more cussing and frantic frustration from driving around Nashville and no more frustration because people were telling me I was too country and Mm -hmm. I came to Nashville and they told me I was too country and and my favorite word in the whole world is no I absolutely love that word (laughs) I I just eat it up with a spoon and if if you don't have that mentality then you shouldn't be in this business right yeah absolutely I agree with you you're too young you're too country you're not good looking enough uh, I love when people tell me, you know, well, Bernie, you're, you know, you're not a young kid anymore and stuff. And then I step up to the microphone and sing and they go, holy shit, you know, so uh, <laughs> it's all yeah. done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No is just an opportunity to defy, you know, that train of thought, you know, <laughs> basically prove them wrong, you know. I mean, that's, you know, nothing great's written about people who uh, draw within the lines all the time. You know, you have to be your own person. I truly believe that. Absolutely. In interviewing the book, I got to to talk to my heroes. You know, Mac Davis and I got to be really good friends. And yeah. and the day I called Mac, he was in the hospital. He had a lung taken out, but we still spent an hour on the phone talking about stuff. You know, wow. and, That's awesome. you know, just being able to call these people. And uh, I always tell people the worst thing that can happen is they're going to tell you no. You right. Know? Yeah, I have some people that that have told me, Bernie, I wanted to ride with you, but I was intimidated. And I always tell them the story about how Guy Clark and I were such great friends, and we would drink and drink and drink and hang out and hang out. He'd have me come down the studio with Emmy Lou and and Roseanne and Rodney, and I never could get the words out of my mouth to say, "Hey, man, would you ride with me?" You know, right. and I could. He was just such a, a big fan. I was such a big fan of his, sure. and. Uh, the day I got my uh, my duet cut with Randy Travis and Chris Christopherson, they invited me to dinner, you know, and uh, I, I couldn't go. I just couldn't go. Wow. You know, and it wasn't because of Randy. It was because of Christopherson. Right, of course. And to yeah. this day, I, I beat myself up. Well, he's still alive, though. <laughs> I had a chance to go see him this weekend in Tulsa, and I can't go. Oh. I've got weekend at Bernie's. But, uh, you know, maybe someday I'll get to meet him. And, yeah, he's uh, still he still alive. Mm-hmm. He had two of my songs in the studio that night he wanted to record, and they, they chose the one. So, Wow. Well, Chris Christopherson, I mean, good Lord, you know. He changed everything in Nashville, you know. I mean, because I think um, before then, you know, I don't want to say that music wasn't honest or anything like that. But, you know, they weren't talking about cheating, not really. 
And when he came out, what, what helped me make it through the night? Was it helped me make it through the night? Yeah, all, I think all the Christmas stuff was so, I mean, gritty. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. good night, Sunday morning coming down, why me, Lord? Mm-hmm. That's exposing yourself really big time, you know? Right. And if anybody wants to learn about faith and country music, go pull up uh, the 700 Club, Alan Shamlin, the, the faith that built me, mm-hmm. Alan Shamlin. Yeah, it's called The Faith That Built Me. I recommend any, anybody, everybody watch it. It's about putting your faith in God. And and there again, you can't beat yourself up about the how. How, how, how? How's that going to happen, God? Just mm-hmm. ask God to let you be whatever you want to be and then get out of his way. But you yeah. have to believe. You know, and it's throughout all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. You know, it's all about believing. I mean, Moses parted the water because he believed he could. He believed uh, Right. And, and Jesus, you know, killed a fig tree because he believed he could. And he yeah. raised people from the dead because he believed he could. And I put a thing on Facebook the other day that birds fly because they believe they can. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, what's the bird that can't fly? Well, pen- you know, penguins are birds. They don't fly, though. Right. Is that, is yeah. that right, Anna Marie? Yeah. Right. But they're yeah. really fat. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're right. There's a lot to be said about that. And you're really, um, was the transition to uh, Texas kind of, you know, for, you know, you were in Nashville for how long? Like 30 something years, I think. No? You know, it was um, tempting to wear that, my trophies and, and go around with all my plaques and stuff. Go, hey, this is who I am. Check me out. <laughs> but uh, humbleness is is served for breakfast every day in Texas and they don't brag a lot down here. And so Mm -hmm. I'm the oddball, you know, but all my friends have got to, to know, you know, this is Bernie. He's blah, 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 blah. And so they'll do a song in the middle of a show. It'd be a cover song. Hey, Bernie, who wrote this? You know, Hey, Bernie, who wrote this? You know, and and they know, I know, and it's just become a fun thing to do. And uh, they're rubbing me a little bit, but it's fun. So. uh, Oh, that's great. I I, I sometimes forget how to turn off the faucet, but, the stories are, are just amazing. I mean, read the story behind She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy. It'll blow your mind. I mean, it's just the craziest thing how that happened. And oh, <clears throat> Lucille happened over a poker game, and the gambler was thrown away in a trash can. I mean, just amazing wow. stories. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And so um, the transition to Texas is just, it feels very natural. I can hear it in your voice. It's like, you're, you know, this is like this, you know, the next chapter in your career. Yeah, I, I played a show over in a town called Alpine, which is way out West Texas. <clears throat> it's hippies and cowboys and uh, what do you call it? Uh, techies, you know, people from the from the uh, Silicon Valley type thing that just mm-hmm. wanted to get away and <clears throat> had money. And so I met this girl there and she was doing a paper from the University of Boston, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um on health and how moving to Alpine, Texas improved your health. And wow. she said something like the average blood pressure change was something like 20 points. Oh my goodness. Really? Moving from a chaotic town like Boston or LA to moving to Alpine, oh, Texas, you know, mm-hmm. or Nashville. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a long drive up my road to get to the house. It's about 12 miles from Fredericksburg and 10 miles from Harper. And uh, not that either one of those towns is a big, crazy town, but Fredericksburg is the new Nashville, real touristy, a lot of bachelorette parties. And so um, 
I could go around it, but I enjoy looking at all the people. So of course uh, you do. Yeah. But but when I get headed to the house, especially when I've been on the road for a while, I can't wait to hang that right on to old Harper Road and hang it right up to the hill. So um, it's it it's just very very laid back out here. So I like it. Good for you. That's awesome. Well, we really yeah. want to appreciate you. Thank you so much, Bernie, for you know sharing your time with us. I didn't, you know, we like lost track of time, yeah. and I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. Well, I've got being the country star, am I got to load up one of my dogs that killed a skunk the other night, take her to the vet, get shot, and I got to go feed my cows. So it's an exciting day to do. <laughs> well, that sounds great, and we can't wait for the new album to come out. How many songs are going to be on this album? Are you still figuring that out? I think there's just ten. There's one okay. we cut acoustically that we were going to put on the record, but I think I'm I'm just ready to move on to the record and get it out. So uh, yeah. there's ten ten songs, and it's interesting because the album starts with somebody's praying, which is huge, hugely faith based, and it ends with with ghosts and angels, which is a yin yang. It's like I'm a Christian, but I'm a sinner, you know. So uh, we all are. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're just redeemed, you know. That's the difference, you know. That's the difference, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, sounds good. Well, hey, thank you once again, Bernie. It's been a blast for both of us. Hopefully, this was a great interview for you, too. It was <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Drill you too much with all these questions. But that's what happens when fans interview you, you know. They have <laughs> lots of questions <laughs> because they like your music. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for digging into what I do. So. God bless thank you. Thank you. All right, bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. On the Brink 2021.